Welcome to the News Boxing Podcast with me, Andy White, and with me today, the one and only Mr. Martin Theobald. Yo, yo, on a new laptop, nice and shiny and flashy and new. It is. There's it a bigger is. purpose behind that, isn't there? But <laughs> yeah, don't give anything away. Better porn. Better. Better frame rate per second. It's it's all about the time you spend on it. Yeah. You know, and I and I'm going now down to ten seconds. <laughs> How's your weekend been? It's alright, it's alright. We haven't been here for a while, have we? No, we haven't. We're back! Yeah, no, I, this boxing off-season, like, it doesn't really... So we've kind of gathered all the news up into one well, today, rather than... Yeah, because we also didn't really... We kind of sort of, like, spluttered out of existence at the end of the last series, didn't... Like, in, end of the last season. We called it a series. <laughs> we didn't, um... We didn't say to everyone... See you next season. We went nah. back next week and then we didn't come back. So this is kind of a mid-season... Interlude. Yeah. An inverted interlude. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So now nah, it's all good. What have we been doing? I made my first steps into uh, veterans football. Oh, yeah. I was really annoyed, actually. Like, nobody asked me for my passport or anything. I thought... <laughs> <laughs> what is the minimum age? 35. So although someone might say, you look well under that, mate. Come on, don't take the piss. Mate, you know there's an upper limit as well, don't you? <laughs> there's a fucking 61-year-old playing. Is there really? Yeah, he was good as well. Like, That's I probably suppose, why he's still playing. To yeah, I suppose they filter out the shit 61-year-olds by that <laughs> yeah. point. But uh, no, he was a The handy. bloke who only relies on pace kind of bottoms, like tops out about 40 when he's not <laughs> <laughs> got anything left. So no, I made my first steps into veterans football. Um, when did the 61-year-old play? Centre mid. And he was he was wow. energetic as well. Honestly, he looked about 45 tops um, and could play. Brilliant <laughs> player. It was good fun though. So I'm taking that up this season. Signed on. Good stuff. Is there anyone in there you know? Yeah, it's all the lot I used to play with. Like when oh, I used okay. to play regularly. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot of lads I used to play with. Just, you know, I'll, when I was playing, I don't know. I stopped playing competitively seven years ago. Eight, no, probably longer than that. Nine that years ago. After the Champions League win? Yeah, yeah, after I took home all the silverware. Yeah, you um, just said you couldn't top it. <laughs> then you came out of retirement and did top it. And then you said, I can't top that and left. No, so I stopped playing my mid to late 20s. And it's just funny. I was saying this to my wife the other day. That like all of the chat in the changing room then was about what people had been getting up to like the night before or we're going to get up to that night oh no it's going to get whereas now the changing room chat is like as a family all right yeah kids good yeah yeah oh mate i can't sleep oh this one keeps me it's proper like old man (laughs) shit it's it's not good i wonder because obviously you've gone away and come back i wonder what happened in the middle was there like a was there like a really sort of smooth transition where there was half the changing room chat was about the night before and half of it was about the young family and slowly it moved Quite across. possibly. Um, so yeah, no, it's all good. It's all good. My knees staying together and in one piece. So yeah. I, I, I hate to 
sort of put a cut, but for now. For now, for now, absolutely, for now. Um, there are a couple of tackles I'm like, for the greater good, I'm not going not gonna to stick a leg in there. But uh, <laughs> over time, hopefully that confidence will come back. And I was never very good anyway. I can, I can head, I can kick, I can... I fuck it. I should have been sent off. Why? Like, first game. What about the rest listening? No, he knew. I was chatting to him after. A guy (laughs) called Fred. Good old Fred, because he used to ref my games years back. And uh, it was only a friendly. This guy's (laughs) a nice defence splitting pass through to their striker, who's torn off me in the other centre half. And he's through one-on-one on goal. I was behind him by about three, four yards. So I just scythed him down, like from behind, into the calves. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely took him out. (laughs) I said, like, the ref came over blue for a free kick. And they're like, you're not going to send him off. Ref, ref. I was like, I know it's a red card. And he went, nah, it's only a friendly, lads. Keep playing. (laughs) (laughs) They scored from the free kick, but I still played. It's all good. You've been gigging, in you? Uh, yeah, that's a. F- Actually, I think that is the first time we've played two nights in a row. Headlining, and, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a privilege to headline, in some ways. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you remember that song, "Pumped Up Kicks"? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the majesty of that song is removed when it's a bunch of overweight 50 plus year olds singing it, which is what I turned up to. And I was like, I thought you could say that's what you were doing. <laughs> With my wig off. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just, it, there was some, look. Whatever it was, it was a great night. And there, there was two, there was two, uh, two gigs in two nights, and well, my voice was a bit hoarse last night, but yeah, it was fun. Enjoy it. So big time, big time now. Yeah, don't have to talk about it too much because it was a crazy, crazy night last night. When you're After playing parties, again, you know, all the coffee you can snort. <laughs> <laughs> um, People well, want to see you. People want to see Twisted Echo. Yeah, they live. don't know, do they? I think I, I, I remember that one time on the podcast, I was like, you know, go and like a Facebook page. Not one listener liked our Facebook Go and like it now. No, Twisted Echo. <laughs> Twisted Echo on Facebook. Not one. Cover 90s songs. They are <laughs> the best 90s cover band I've ever seen. How many have you seen? Doesn't matter. <laughs> Does not matter. You will see Andy in all his glory on oh. there. <clears throat> Right, should we get on? Might as well. We've got loads of stuff to chat about, haven't we? we? Because have. we've like because we had a few weeks off. I've got a couple of questions as well. And boxing's normally dead through August, but with all the peripheral stuff that's happening with it, it's uh, yeah. There's like we need to do a bit of a compendium of it all. Um, and we will be doing well, pretty much running through most stuff that's happened, although. Before the podcast even started, I removed two parts of the agenda. Yeah, that's why I went, oh, I can't be bothered talking about that, to be honest. <laughs> We've got enough other stuff. So I'm going to scribble them off of the agenda now. <laughs> Unless a question that I... Did you get any questions on Twitter today? No, nah, I didn't. Uh, I didn't put out for any. Right, so I've only actually got one of them. I'll be honest, we only rely upon listeners to send us questions when we've got a real dearth of like things to talk about. I think so. they understand. I think they would support that. Yeah, yeah. Fair. We don't want your fucking questions when there's loads of stuff. <laughs> I, it makes I life quite to difficult. I to him gently, but you went, <laughs> you, you went in just like you do in football. 
two, two feet from behind. <laughs> right, so then in similar vein to your two-footed challenges, I'm going to go in straight in the deep end. Are we? And ask you Hamid Zaman's question, which is how long... And I'm going to... I'm going to... Um, I'm going to cut this down. How long do you think Hearn will be in boxing whilst whilst he has to deal with Sky Sports? Um, he doesn't think it's going to be for long. Fans are starting to lose interest. And the <clears> lack of quality on pay-per-views is meaning that the Saturday night cards are also getting really poor. That's two different questions, isn't it, really? How long will Hearn be with Sky and how long will Hearn be in boxing are probably two different things. So they signed, Matt Truman Hearn signed a deal with Sky in 2015 that runs until 2021 um, for boxing content. I'm That's sure. a long old contract, <clears throat> isn't it? Yeah. And you're starting to see why you shouldn't sign long contracts with a sole provider. Um, and the idea was a six-year deal, I think, that they had a contractual obligation to... Sorry, Andy's in the middle of shaking up a bottle of Pepsi Max here. They can't hear that. Maybe. Well, they're going to hear it when it goes all over your fucking laptop. They'll never, ever hear this. <laughs> um, Six-year deal. And in theory, it was meant to offer 120 nights of boxing in that period, which you don't have to be a genius at maths to work out over six years. 20 nights per year. We're not getting 20 nights per year. So it'd be interesting to know what were those 120 nights of boxing about. They're all going to come right at the end. <laughs> like your gigs. <laughs> One after the other. <laughs> um, so how long will he be? My theory is that he is sinking the product on Sky. Consciously or not? Don't know. We've floated this idea before, haven't you? L- less, almost by... By lowering the content quality on Sky, you almost you and, and you therefore enabling your future self to be able to provide something superior to your yes to the stuff that you provided yeah. before. Yeah, exactly that. So when he signed that deal with Sky in 2015, the zone wasn't a thing. They weren't a content provider that were focusing on boxing in America and in Italy and Mexico. Yeah, another reason why you shouldn't sign six. Exactly. Deals. <laughs> exactly. Um, what? What about that? Just before we sign this, Eddie, I'm just thinking. What about the zone? Well, they're not in this country. Right, right, right. What about six years' time? Nah, probably won't happen. Be fine in a way. <laughs> yeah, just sign it. All right, fair one. So yeah, his his landscape and perspective has changed over that period of time, and he's got um, say. A maximum of two years left, probably, on this deal. Um, I can see that you take that product and you diminish its value over two years with Sky, and then at the end of it, people go, "Well, this Sky product's really, really poor. We're not getting good enough Saturday fight nights. All the decent fights are on pay per view. We're getting some next gen stuff, but there's a limit to the amount of times I can get hard on about watching Conor Ben beat up a Latvian." Um, and so at that point, if Hearn were to walk away from Sky and say, ah, oh, zone are bringing boxing over to the UK, I've got a billion pounds. Um, then he could put on a far better boxing product on a, a platform such as zone that would suddenly make the Sky product look really, really poor. And he could put on something that's really, really good. Let me ask you this. 
Do you think in under any circumstances for any provider that Hearn can provide 20 nights of quality boxing? Yeah, he year? should. If you go back to 2015 and you look at his stable then and you look at his stable now, they should be able to put on 20 nights per year. Of, of quality boxing, and how often would your boxers be boxing, your top fighters? Mm, well, okay, well, let's break it down. 20 nights per year would be, what, once every two and a half weeks on average? Yeah. To put a show on. So there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to do that. If you had a stable, if you look on the Matchroom Boxing website, they've got 50, 60 fighters listed on there. Plus, they're always signing more and more. But are they quality? If you, if you said you had... It doesn't have to be quality. If you said 120 shows over six years, yeah. 20 per year, they don't all have to be quality. You could yeah. put on 30% of those being next gens, 45% being um, fight nights, and then 25% pay-per-views, say. And then you can split your headline acts out into, into those, and you build up the headline acts. But the problem is, the Holder's Own project has taken away from that. Do you Do you think that when this contract was sort of shuffled and dealt together that they maybe didn't make enough stipulations as to what was expected. I mean, clearly he's not fulfilling 120 shows in six years, but what's the punishment for that is what I would ask yeah. straight away, uh, or like the consequences rather. Um, and sort of aside from that, when you mention percentages of next gen shows and the like, do you think they did that? Well, it doesn't seem like they did. <laughs> like, um, like Barney Francis at Sky isn't an idiot, so you would assume that he would want a quality control over what's going on. Adam Smith is the head of boxing at Sky. Rumor has it that he's um, been interested in the same role at the Zone, and so he would be employed by them over in America, perhaps. Um, so perhaps it's not in his best interest to make the boxing better on Sky because if the two of them curtailed off to DAZN, then they could. You would have a better knowledge of this than me, but isn't isn't that like corporate sabotage or some sort of like? Surely they can't. You can't have the two guys at the head of Code Color going right. We'll just stick the recipe on Twitter because we're going to Pepsi anyway. Yeah, like just surely there's got to be but some sort. That's of... That's where the quality control has to come into it of. Who's got the quality control? Is it Barney Francis at Sky? Is it Adam Smith? I, I don't know. But it certainly looks like... I mean, you say about these 120 nights, are there enough boxers that could fill the cards? You've got Liam Smith, who they've just signed from Frank Warren not long back, who beat up Sam Eggington up in Liverpool, was it? Yeah, I think it was Liverpool. On his matchroom debut. And now he's fighting out in Mexico next week. Like... You've got these British fighters fighting on obscure undercards that could reasonably headline decent... If you had Liam Smith versus Kel Brook, decent fight, quality fight. It gives Kel Brook something to do. But instead, you've got him fighting on a Mexican undercard. Like, if I was Sky, I'd be saying, what are you fucking doing? Like, we're, we're lacking in a serious product here, and you're flying potential headliners out to the zone cards to fight... In a place nobody cares about. It's mad. You can't tell me there's not a club fighter in Mexico that couldn't take that same spot. You could get Liam Smith on the Lomachenko-Campbell undercard that's coming up. 
get him a, a reasonable fight with a reasonable broadcast. It's, uh, so bringing us back back onto the the question, which was how long he's going to be. Uh, like you said, it was kind of two questions, but. Do you therefore think, to answer one of them at least, that the end of this contract is going to be the end of Hearn's affiliation with Sky? Yes. I think as sole promoter, it will be the end of his contract with Sky. I think they might keep him to some end because they probably want access. And it depends what happens over the next 18 months. But they probably still want access to Anthony Joshua. For instance, they might want access to Joshua Boazzi if he becomes a superstar in 18 months. Some of those breakout people, Lawrence Acoli, for instance, those ones. You've still got to go through Hearn to get them on your platform. What I would suspect will happen is that they'll take away the monopolization of it. But that would work for Hearn anyway, wouldn't it? Because I'm assuming that Hearn could then say, right, well, I can work with DAZN then more so. Yeah, and if DAZN starts spreading their wings and coming over to England, which by all accounts is logical because they've got America, they've got Canada, they've got Japan, they've got Italy, Mexico. Why wouldn't you come to such a sport-mad country as mm. England? Um, it, it's just illogical not to do it. It's whether they can get the broadcast rights. So, you know, to come and make a success of it in England, you need to get the Premier League, uh, at least some of the package. You'd probably want to get rugby, some cricket. When all those broadcast packages start coming up for purchase, um, then there's a fair chance that they they might start taking an interest in the UK market. And at that point, if you've already got Hearn on board, my guess is that Sky, if they've got any sense, would work with Hearn and MTK. Um, You look at what MTK are doing, the golden uh, contract that they're doing shortly, which is where they're, they're getting eight fighters in three different divisions and they're doing it over a period of time. Um, Similar to world boxing, super series or the super six, that kind of thing. Um, but eight fighters, three different weight divisions, and the winner at the end of it gets a guaranteed contract with a promoter with six-figure purses for like four fights or something. I think that's the, that's an abridged version of what it is. But Hearn's talked about broadcasting that on Sky, some or all of it. Hearn's showing, or you know, Sky is showing the World Boxing Super Series, some of it. So you're already starting to see other people's product either on or potentially on Sky, I can see that that's almost watering it down for when you get to a point that in two years' time, you open the door a little bit and you let other people in while you keep that relationship with Hearn because he's got the biggest stable going. Um, And whether Sky and DAZN end up doing something together, that's not inconceivable. Um, How does that work? Like a joint joint broadcast of some sort? DAZN's all about the technology. Whereas Sky seemed to have nailed the television era, yeah. but you know their apps and things aren't up to speed technically. With <laughs> you'd imagine they haven't invested the money that say a DAZN have over time in how to get an over the top product um, out to market. So whether Sky and DAZN might in some way work together, I don't know. No, like eighteen months is a long time, and if you looked eighteen months ago we were told there's a billion dollars on the table for boxing out in America. Things change. Yeah, well, 18 months ago, we were right in, I'm trying to think now, right at the end of one of the most exciting years of boxing, weren't yeah. we? And it, the future was bright. Yeah, 18 <laughs> months ago, we had Terry. 
Shout out, Terry. If you haven't listened, Highfield Boxing Podcast, get on it. He's done four episodes now. Um, each of them brilliant. It's Terry at his raw finest of <laughs> taking a subject. He's just doing like piecemeal bits. So 20 minutes here, 30 minutes there. Not like we do, where it's like two hours consume all of it. It's breaking it down into little subjects and giving his unique insight into things. Um so check it out, Highfield Boxing Podcast. It's and it's Terry's voice for like thirty minutes. The smooth motherfucker that like you could just listen to that as you're driving or you're going to sleep or you're making love or whatever. Making like love. I've done all of it. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. Although doesn't that make love a lot shorter? <laughs> <laughs> but no, do go and check it out it's on SoundCloud. Uh, okay, uh, and so just to briefly tip our hat to the rest of that question originally, which has now taken us 20 minutes to answer, how long do you foresee Hernan boxing? I would have thought this is just like... Ages. Yeah, Ages and ages. Because you look at how Matchroom have tried to diversify what they're doing. They nailed boxing. And that's always going to have its peaks and troughs, depending on what talent you've got available to you. They nailed the model of, say, darts... Um, you know, nobody can touch them for that apart from, you know, you have fucking Lakeside or whatever on the BBC, which looks archaic know. now. There's, yeah, there's two different versions, the PBC yeah, the BDO. the PBC, uh, yeah, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Which looks like a bunch of old men sat in a pub now. Um, you know, they try their hand at different things, gymnastics. Snooker. They were trying to do gymnastics, weren't they? None of it seems to stick. I think they've got their core sports, which seem to be boxing and darts, and then they'll try other stuff. So whether Hearn tries his hand at other stuff, but why would you? If you if that billion dollars is real and there's more to come, if there's more investment, why would you go elsewhere? Because there's gymnastics a, aren't going to give you that. You're not going to get it yeah, out of darts. There's a very snooker. hardcore boxing base, isn't there? Mm. That's what it boils down to. Because yes, you've got casual fans that will also dabble in MMA and that sort of thing. But I think generally speaking, those that are interested in boxing will always be interested in a good boxing match because you don't have to only pay attention to boxing or MMA. <coughs> These people are generally... But it's it's not like you've got... There's you know a massive contingency of people out there being like, oh, mate, I used to love, absolutely love watching gymnastics, but it's all changed yeah. now, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and it's almost like people forget that selling out the O2 for an event is a massively impressive achievement. And a huge accomplishment because we're so accustomed to it. But you think up until like um, Frotch and Joshua came along, that wasn't really happening. And so credit still has to go to Hearn for making a sport so attractive to people that you can put on Luke Campbell, Vasil Lomachenko, two people who don't cross over into the mainstream, and you can sell the O2 out. Do you know, it's not a small achievement. It's a brilliant thing. Do you know what the thing across my mind is? The, the funny thing is, when Frotch said about how much he'd, he'd sold out Wembley, or sold 80,000 yeah. people in If anything, a testament to how well Hearn's done is that that became a joke. Because when he said it, it was a big thing. It was like, I saw 80,000 people came to watch me yeah. fight at <clears> Wembley. And then a couple of years in the line, everyone's like, so what? That happens every other Saturday, mate. <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, when you see Joshua doing it and then he sells out Cardiff, 
you know, those big events. Against not necessarily massive fighters. Yeah, I mean, against Carlos Takam. That's exactly what I was going for, yeah. What was meant to be Pulev. Doesn't make it any better. <laughs> Still, people turn up in droves to yeah. watch it. So, like, we may not be at a point right now where 80,000 tickets are getting sold for an event, but... On the other hand, if you can still sell out the O2, that's what, 18, 20,000? Yeah. Hugely impressive. So it's not all doom and gloom, but yeah, I, th- I think Hearn will, and I think he's got that natural ability to appeal to a certain marketplace and make the sport attractive. And I think as long as he can still do that, he'll be in the sport. Okay, let's move on to our actual agenda. Kovalev versus Yard. Give me an update on this. Is it actually going to happen? It's next weekend. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's next weekend. Like, I've not been this intrigued about a fight in ages. Ages. Are you intrigued because of how much Terry was banging on about it for so long? No. Like, Yard is God. Well, no. It's not necessarily about that. I know Terry and I have had our back and forth on here about yard and where he's at and where he could get to and if he'll ever become omnipotent and rule the universe um <laughs> I'll, I'll just fill in for what terry would have said here yard is the universe <laughs> <sighs> the universe answers to yard um <laughs> but look i mean i'm not gonna go over yards resume cv we know that he's had 12 amateur fights and 20-ish pro fights. In those pro fights, he's not fought a puncher. And he's not fought, aside from Shizloka, he's not fought anyone that we're really familiar with or um, would fancy to beat him. He's picked very much hand-picked opponents. In Kovalev, he's got someone who proved against Alvarez in the second fight he can box. He's proven over time that he can punch. He's proven that he's a hard motherfucker. However, he's also proven he's susceptible to the body. He's susceptible mentally. He's maybe an alcoholic. We know he's a pretty dirt human being. Um, right. This is taking a turn. All these things are fairly well known. Um we don't know how far he's declined, how far he's on the slide, or whether Kovalev is still... You know, you've got a brilliant, brilliant light heavyweight division going on out there, um, of which Kovalev could form a massive part of it still. So let me ask you this then. Is this one of those situations where if Kovalev wins, it was um, it was always going to win, and if... Kovalev, if Yard wins, then Kovalev was washed up. There's a risk of that, but I don't want it to come over like that. If Yard wins next weekend, it's a fucking brilliant achievement. So his coach, Tunde Ajayi, and also his manager, who, for those that have never seen interviews with him, go and find an interview with him. He's he's Spencer Fear on times Spencer Fear on. <laughs> Spencer Fear on Square. He is. <laughs> He's all the, you know, those inspirational like memes or whatever that you see put up on Twitter and Facebook by people that don't have anything better to do. What like those old fashioned posters used to get on offices? Yeah, yeah. Like, he's see a picture of a mountain. It's like, what is your peak? Go climb it. Or yeah, something. yeah. He is the walking embodiment of every single one of those <laughs> summed up into one man. But he's like, timing is everything. Um, see it, believe it, achieve it. These are the kind of 
Um, I'll just sound leave bite. me alone today. I've, it's Monday morning. I'm really, really wasted from the weekend. Just leave me alone. I'm not even in training today. See it, believe it, achieve it, baby. No! So that's... And there's a part of me that has come on board with this now that is so... Uh, he drills it so much that you're like... He's got a point. See it, believe it, achieve it. <laughs> but I love that. Like, if I went out and tried to pick up a bus, I can't just believe it and then achieve it. Not if you haven't seen it first. Well, that's true. I need to go through the stages. Yeah. <laughs> if I see a bus and I believe I can pick it up, there is fuck then all chance. Then probably achieve it. <laughs> I can achieve it. And that's what it feels a little bit like with Yard going to fight Kovalev, is that forever long, Yard's been fighting all these different bin men from Poland, Russia, Latvia wherever and it's all been justified as like he's fighting a southpaw because he's never fought a southpaw before he's fighting a bin man because he's yeah. only ever fought recycling men yeah exactly point. yeah he's taken out a couple of postmen the bloke who drops your milk off on a thursday all these things he, he wants to do it properly so he's doing all those first then all the really shit boxes yeah. then all the medium medium boxes he's fought people of many occupations but not many boxes <laughs> and so and so yeah so then he goes what Kovalev. Kovalev, yeah. I'll tell you what, let's bridge that gap by fighting Kovalev. And so maybe they've seen something in Kovalev that says he's slipped, he's declined, he's vulnerable to a certain shot. We know he's vulnerable to the body, so you'd expect to see Yard attack that body quite a lot during the fight. You'd expect to see him go quickly, try and put the pressure on from the start, take centre ring, try and mentally break down Kovalev. Because doing that will give him the best chance. But what we don't know is how good Yard is. And mm. how long is it since Kovalev fought Ward? Two years? Since the second fight? And there, was um, quite, there, was, there was a section of the box community that thought Kovalev the first could come fight, through yes. that. The first fight. And people, there will be people that will say Kovalev won that first fight. I'm not one of them, but there are people that believe that. The second fight, Ward stopped him where he was taking damage. But again, some people say there were low blows in that fight and Kovalev was disadvantaged. There are always reasons behind these things. I'm not saying it can't happen because you get dramatic drop-offs in boxing, but that there still has to be merit in a win if Yard pulls it off then, surely. 100%. If, If Yard wins this fight, he gets all the praise in the world next week. No doubt about it. It's not going to be a case of besmirching Kovalev and what he's achieved and where he's at. None of that whatsoever. If Yard wins, it's phenomenal. If I was a bookie, I would be pricing this up as 10 to 1 Yard wins. Because there's nothing on paper that says he should win this fight. There's nothing in his CV, nothing on his record, nothing that says he should win this fight. And so it's almost... I, I've said this before, that is, rather than Yard facing anyone who sits between the Shiz locker of this world and Kovalev, with the risk of him losing it and then losing everything that comes with it, it's almost a cash grab, potentially, that you get him up to number one with the WBO, you get him into that mandatory position, and then you fight Kovalev, despite the fact you fought nobody that prepares you for Kovalev. There's a risk that if you'd have fought... Um, well, anyone really, anyone of any note in between that to prepare for Kovalev, you could have lost. And so rather than doing that, you fight Kovalev for the big money. And it will be big money out in Russia, um, which is where it's happening. It's in Kovalev's hometown. 
Um, some dirty Russian money behind it, I'm sure. But, you know, good luck to him. Take that money. Take it. And I hope, I hope Yard wins. I hope we can sit here next week and talk about how he demolished him. It'd be amazing if he could do that. But there's nothing on paper that says he should. And I don't believe he will. I don't. I think he'll get stopped, and I think he'll get almost shown up. But I could be miles off. That's what makes it so intriguing. Is that damn right? I'm going to fucking watch it because I want to see if I'm right. Or I want to see if Tunde Ajayi's been right all this time. If Tunde Ajayi's wrong, though, then that puts every motivational speaker out of business around the world. Does see it, believe it, achieve it. So if Tunde Ajayi is wrong. And Yard loses, which obviously would have to be two go hand in hand. Yeah, does the space time continuum? Is it able to keep going? No, I think the world stops. And that's weird. That okay, well, but it's fascinating. I think full credit to Yard. The only way he comes out of this badly is if he gets stopped in like two rounds. Why? I mean, why does Kovalev take this fight? By the way, yes, it's mandatory. Oh, okay. But I say, if, if Kovalev gets stopped in two rounds and beaten the shit out of, then he comes out of it relatively badly, I think. And everyone can then rightly question what the hell was that about? Why has he been managed like that? Yeah. Why has he had these opponents in the build-up? Why have you not got him more experience? If he wins, none of those questions. If he goes late into the fight, if he goes into the 10th round of the fight and is putting up a good account of himself and gets stopped... Cool, well done. Nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Like, he would have impressed people at that point enough that you want to see more of him. What, again, if he doesn't, if it's a a washout within a couple of rounds, then people will rightly be able to question, why did you skip the British route? Why didn't you fight some fringe-level world contenders rather than going with Kovalev? But the only way we can answer this is next week, once we know the outcome. What about if Kovalev smashes him for like nine rounds, then retires injured. <laughs> <laughs> retires drunk. Yeah. Which is possible. <laughs> it is possible. Let's get to the kebab van before he shuts. Uh, okay, so you've given us your verdict. You're going for a Kovalev win. I think Kovalev... Stoppage. Yeah, I think he stops him. I think he'll... I'm saying this blind, I suppose, because I have nothing to suggest Yard should be in that ring with him. Apart from s- probably two years off of Terry's. <laughs> yeah, back. apart from rumour and innuendo. That's all we have to go on with Yard. But I hope I'm wrong. I really hope I'm wrong. And there's nothing against Yard whatsoever. And I would love to see him do it. You've I just... been slagging him off before I turn the mics on. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, I don't, I do not see a way that he does it. Okay. Uh, let's move on then to... The Dillian White update. Give us a Dillian White update. Right, well, that's done. Oh, really? There is no update. Oh. There's still no B sample. <laughs> you know, there's B sample that we're waiting Don't on. They, is that, is that um, Morris Minor still hurtling towards the, the nearest lab? Yeah. No, it, it <laughs> broke down numerous times. Um, as a fighter, you have to request the B-sample be tested. Whether he did that, we don't know. Well, all that we seem to get out of Hearn and Co. is that it's with his legal team. Like, if you've done nothing wrong, why have you got a legal team? I don't know. But we can't go any further forward than where we were last time. But I was doing some research into this, right? I need to get my figures up and get them right. So, 
my theory and thinking behind this is that how long are we into it now? Three weeks, possibly four. It's got about that. I don't know. If You've made. got lawyers presumably working around the clock on this, right? <laughs> Have you? <laughs> They're working around the clock. They're probably charging them for working around the clock. Okay, that'll do. That backs up where I was going. Now, I looked at the figures for UCAB. Because they're publicly funded, these figures are published. So, staff costs for UCAB. They're total staff costs. Per year or? Per year. End of 2018, their accounts. Staff costs were... Da, da, da. Three million six hundred seventy-eight thousand to the end of twenty eighteen. Three million six hundred seventy-eight thousand. So, if you say roughly, that's going to be sixty seventy percent of their expenditure. Then they've probably got an annual budget of five to five and a half million. Yeah. Call it that. Okay. The other figure that stood out. So, at the end of the financial year, um, cash at the end of the year. So, what they've got left over, £566,000 at the end of 2018 on their accounts. I couldn't find the 29. I didn't really look that much, to be honest. But let's assume they've roughly... Well, that's more than anyone else has done. I'm pretty certain. Anyone listening to this, that's more than they've done. So 566 grand, essentially surplus in the accounts at UCAD. We're three to four weeks into this now, of which all that we know is that it's with Dillian's legal team. Now, if that money is there for UCAD, that £566,000 is there for UCAD to defend themselves, maybe? To, you know, rainy day fund. Right. That ain't going to go very far. 566 grand. When you need to... When on the other side of the table, let's put it this way, what does Dillian get paid for a fight? So he fights, pay-per-view. Say he sells 500,000 pay-per-views. Seems a reasonable number. They reckon the top end of Joshua fights is a million. Let's say 500,000 for a Dillian pay-per-view. Well, certainly White Chisora, something like that. Maybe less so in his crappier fights. Yeah, okay. Well, let's go with it as an average. Right. Yeah, that works. When you've got yeah, Joseph Parker enough. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 500,000, that's a pot. What, £10? No, sorry, £20 per, uh, per pay-per-view. <clears throat> yeah. So you're looking at a pot of about £10 million. 50% goes to Sky straight away. That's £5 million left. 50%-ish goes to the fighter. Right. So you're looking at him taking home maybe £2.5 million per fight. Off of three uh, pay-per-views. I guess my question would be, like, um, what do you could have to defend themselves against? Like, we tested your sample and it's positive. Oh, yeah? I want to get my lawyers involved. Well, what, what did the lawyers come back and say? What? How, you know, what? Okay, so the lawyers would... The, here's, my, here's the sample and here's what we did. Hypothetically, again. the lawyers would be coming back saying, well, Varda didn't find me guilty. But, you know, we've done the Varda testing and Varda found it all perfectly fine. So how are you finding me guilty? And so... 
that's what their case would probably be. It's just odd because I would have thought it's a pretty binary question, like yes or well, no. Where you? Yeah, we, we we put this thing on this <clears> thing. If you want to show, we put this chemical on this chemical, and it just turned green, and that means that he's positive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what did you? But we did. No, I agree. <laughs> That's what I don't understand. But all we've been told by Hearn, and this is a problem with the silence that comes with it all, yeah. is that you create voids that people can form their own opinions and throw them into. So that £566,000 that uh, UCAD had at the end of the financial year, that's not going to stretch very five. What you have no. is one side who's got a man who makes, say, two and a half million pound-ish, very ballpark figure, but per pay-per-view fight, two or three a year. I don't know, say he's got a personal wealth, even of four million pound. Plus you've got the backing of Matchroom. Yeah. Like that money can stretch an awful lot further than UCAD's money And can. it doesn't really, actually thinking about it, it doesn't really matter what if you've got a point or not. We, we know that the legal system, exactly you can kick around nonsense. It, you can <laughs> kick that can as far down the road with your lawyers <laughs> Just, as you wish. And you can argue over the nth degree of anything. Mm. Now, if you can stretch that out for as long as possible, eventually UCAD might have to go, look, it's a danger to the whole system if yeah. we fight this case <laughs> single-handedly. So, so depressing. Let's not forget where Tyson Fury's yeah. went, which was two years into it. They all shook hands and went, ah, all right, he's kind of served a two-year retrospective ban. I can't remember what the terminology was on it, but... We'll all agree to disagree at this point, and you're yeah. clear to fight again. You've served two years, as we've argued the case. So who would seriously doubt that it could end up going down that yeah. route as well? Can you In imagine the- that? That's, that's like committing a crime, stealing... Or, no, not so much stealing, but a heinous crime. You know, insert... I'm, everyone listening to this podcast will be more than capable of doing so, but insert heinous crime here, and then you get Stealing done... Stealing from Tesco. You, you get done for that heinous crime, and then turn up to court and go, look, I'll go to prison for a bit, but I don't want it on my record, yeah? Yeah. And then they go, all right. So you serve two years, and you come out... Uh, have you done? Have you committed any crimes? Nah, not me, mate. Yeah. It's like going back before there was CRB checks. You could, like... <laughs> you know, yeah. That guy who was, as you've inserted heinous crime of stealing a pastry from Tesco. As long as he spent over 100 quid, gets could, away with it. <laughs> it could be teaching at a school in three years' time. Yeah, but that's where I see this going at the moment, is that if I were on one side of the table and I knew that my pockets were a lot deeper than the other side, yeah. I would just bring as many lawyers as I can in to argue every single element of the case and set my stall out that this is look we're here for the long run if we need to go 12 months we go 12 months well you, you've got you, you've got a tactic haven't you you sit down with your and go right let's just basically ring these ring these guys out yeah put my wallet on the table and go right let's go because that's and then unfortunately I, they have the the blueprint for that with the fury. Of course they do. And of course so, they do. It just, it's never ever going to get solved, is it? Because there also seems to be a lack of interest from government to have any like, oh, we can't get involved in this. Well, that's convenient because yeah. you, you're making loads of money at the sport, and the legal system is making loads of money as well. So, funnily enough, the government don't care. It's an absolute mess. It's a disgrace. If this is the way that we end up solving these things, because it doesn't seem to happen in other sports. Like, if you look on the UCAD website, we mentioned this last time, that every boxer's name is basically blanked out on the UCAD website. Whereas every other sport, it names who it is, what they failed for, how long, how long they're banned for. 
Every other sport has that information. But ours doesn't. Ours wipes out the names, and it seems that as soon as you're caught for something, as long as you've got a budget that's big enough, you can just lawyer up and start yeah. fighting a case. Like, either you're guilty or you're not guilty. It's as simple as that. And if you're going to fight under the British jurisdiction and you've been found guilty by the people that are meant to be testing in that jurisdiction, then you're guilty. So okay. all that we're told by Hearn is that it's with White's legal team. All right, but Okay, so we look at like the deeper pockets and what Dylan can afford. But if we kind of... If we go and take the argument more like laterally in one area that perhaps he can't afford is two years out of the sport. Hearn said he'll be fighting by Christmas, he reckoned. <laughs> he did. He said he reckoned he'd be fighting by Christmas. Fuck's sake. Well, they're going to bankrupt UCAD by November. <laughs> I don't know. He's a proper Scrooge, isn't he? <laughs> what happened to UCAD findings? Hearn winks at the camera and goes, they don't exist anymore. <laughs> UCAD who? Yeah. But oh, you can imagine me. there'd be a certain satisfaction of like all these UCAD employees on December the 24th having to leave the office with all their all their worldly belongings, having to go home and tell the wife they haven't got a job anymore. All because like, ah, oh, yeah, we managed to stretch this legal case over a longer period of time than they could afford. Ironically, all those employees turn into drugs. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so look, Again, this isn't throwing Dillian under the bus. We're just filling a void that's been left because nobody fucking talks about it. Nobody gives us the information. So all that's left for people like us, idiots like us, is to have a guess at what's going on. And when all the information we have been given is it's with the legal team, then it's fairly safe to say we're probably not a million miles off. Okay. Um... Billy Joe Saunders to Matchroom. Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't come out of blue particularly. It's... Um, That's a, one of... So this is another one of some quite reasonably higher profile acquisitions from Matchroom. Yeah. Go back to Huey Fury. It is. So when you go back to that thing about could they put on 120 shows over six years, they're stocking up that top end mm. of the roster as well now. Um, and bringing in the lower end too. So... There are numbers there. But Billy Joe Saunders... Let's credit Frank Warren for the work that he's done with Billy Joe Saunders over the years, which must have been through some turbulent activity. Yeah. When you look at Billy Joe Saunders' track record outside yeah. of the ring. I can imagine it's difficult to make him focus. Yeah, from nasal spray to abusing the homeless and drug addicts. Yeah. Whichever way you want to paint it, yeah. it's not been a particularly pretty sight outside of the ring. Billy Joe Saunders inside the ring... Phenomenal talent. Um, and so you've got to credit mm. Frank Warren for sticking by him all these years and investing in him. Because don't forget, he had that, that fight down at Stevenage, uh, the football ground, the Lamex, is it? Something like that. I don't um, know. The last fight he had for the WBO super middleweight oh. title <laughs> against a guy who I've never heard of before, I'll never hear of again. I can't remember his name now. Absolute bollocks of the WBO standard. Um that might be Russian saying that about Yard next week. <laughs> a Russian podcast. And oh, at any yard. No Russian. No, if you had Google Translate, you'd know. Um, <laughs> it might not be. Don't know. You might want. <laughs> so, 
Um, Billy Joe Saunders, two weight world champion. I'm not even. Nah, that's a lie, isn't it? Really, he's one weight world champion. That WBO super middleweight title's bullshit. Yeah, he has to defend it against someone for that to be an actual world title. Otherwise, it's about as legitimate as the title that fat prick heavy D goes around with the dickhead Arsenal fan and goes boom. Uh, You've I'm literally got no idea I'm on about there. No, no, dick. It doesn't sound like someone I'd enjoy watching. Dick. <clears throat> um, He's an Arsenal fan. <laughs> True. We True. purged our podcast of all Arsenal fans. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he signs with Hearn. And in the past, you used to get legal action when fighters not all the time but sometimes when fighters went from one promoter to another just look into the Smith brothers and when they went to matchroom that's all you gotta do it seems a lot more friendly since certain people have involved themselves in the sport that it seems that you can bridge that gap without repercussions and so you've ended up with a a boxer holding a world title, leaving Frank Warren for his biggest rival with nothing. When those in the past have left without world titles with, as I say, repercussions. But by the by, it's the right move for Saunders. All credit to Warren, as we've said, for the work he's done with him over the years, but it just feels like it's gone stale. It feels like after that David Lemieux win out in Canada, there was every opportunity... For him to build and get the but fight. Isn't that Saunders' fault? To to an extent, yeah. Oh. Um, yeah, he's not been his own greatest help. When you look back for, I say, the nasal nasal spray situations, the issues with um, outside of the ring that got him the the fines. Levels of imagination of ways to hinder your own career that are impressive. They, I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> To create <laughs> create barriers yourself yeah. to success is you know, incredible. You know, if but, you had to like literally write up ten reasons how or ten ways a boxer can hinder their own career, I don't think. Well, down that list, even if it was more than ten, slapping or getting homeless people to slap people, <laughs> like and then, bum fights, <laughs> putting it on Twitter, <laughs> it's probably going to be pretty far down the list. Um, yeah, but on the other hand, when you look at it and think. It's almost a surprise this doesn't happen more often. Because if you look at the people that go into the sport, and I'm not saying all of them, but a lot of them come in from poor educations and gritty backgrounds. Um, and people that, you know, the, the stereotypical uh, idea of a boxer is someone who's used the sport to get out of other situations. It's almost a wonder this doesn't happen more often that you get people in strange situations and fucking their own career up. But... Yeah, well, I kind of get what you mean. Like the levels of, of, of how of awareness of how they should be acting isn't necessarily societal understanding. Yeah. Uh, um. But yeah, he's gone to Hearn, and you kind of feel like it's a reset, which is great for him. Um. Because Hearn under Matchroom or Dazone have got so many fights that he could be involved in that are meaningful now. So under the zone, you've got Canelo, you've got Golovkin um, over in America. Now, granted, they're not all under Hearn's barrier. Uh, sorry, Hearn's banner. So Golovkin's got his own promotional agreement with the zone. Canelo's on the Golden Boy 
contract, although that seems to be going sour a little bit. Um, you've got Callum Smith, if he's going to stay at super middleweight, um, that he could fight. And so there were the stories about uh, Frank Warren had made the offer for Billy Joe Saunders versus Callum Smith. And it almost feels like that was a last hurrah. Like, you know, we'll try and make this fight for you. If we can't do it, maybe we can shake hands and, and go our separate ways. To which, presumably, Hearn and Joe Gallagher were never going to accept that if if they knew what the situation was, which you suspect they would have. And so, yeah, it just opens up so many more doors for him. Hearn was talking about the Eubank fight um, and having that again, which you don't really know what's going on with Eubank. He was on ITV. Is he signed to ITV and PBC? You don't really know. You don't hear from him enough to to know comprehensively what he's doing. And he doesn't box often enough to know what he's doing. Um, but it it just it feels like the right move for everyone. It's a great signing for Matchroom. If they can um if they can put the reins on him a little bit and yeah. you know give him channel that, that energy. Channel that energy, log into his social media, <laughs> take that off of him. Um, and you know, get him working and get him boxing frequently and regularly in meaningful fights, then it it should reinvigorate his career. Yeah, I have to agree. He's, he's, when he when he was doing well a little while ago in the ring, he became a bit sort of um, a bit of a heel, like a an anti an anti hero kind of the sort of boxer you just love to hate. Certainly, I did anyway. But then when he was out the ring, I suddenly realised how much I appreciated him when he was in the ring. It's yeah. Like, you need someone like that amongst it. Um, and he's such a good boxer. You just want to see him be in a position where when he is calling out Golovkin or Canelo, that they have to pay attention to him because he's been putting in the hard graft. Whereas what seems to have been the case of late is that he drifts off for, you know, X amount of months, then pops up again and says, I want Golovkin. You're like, no, that's not it's how not it works. works. <laughs> yeah. But the whole Canelo thing might be interesting because Canelo moved up and fought John Ryder, didn't he? At super, uh, John Ryder, Rocky Fielding, at super middleweight and got that WBA regular title. Oh, when he fought Rocky Fielding on his stag do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when they had a jolly old time out in Vegas. Um, and you kind of feel like if you want to be a legitimate super middleweight world title holder, fight Billy Joe for it. The problem is, I mean, Billy Joe's not really beaten a super middleweight. So it's mm. hard to say, you know, if Canelo went and beat him. Is that a UK-centric view? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It is. It is. Um, so I don't know. It's interesting to see what the future holds for Saunders at Matchroom. Who wouldn't want to see him versus Callum Smith? Him versus Golovkin? Canelo? All these things. If they can happen, brilliant. Think it. Callum Smith is a re- you could you could make that happen right? you could make it happen t- right. like next month right then once he's done that you, you might be able to make Golovkin happen anyway right once he if he beats Callum Smith yep. once he beats Golovkin uh, Golovkin rather uh, Canelo is potential then yeah you know, they almost work that it, it's almost admittedly is unlikely to get the next three fights as those three fights but you'd like to think that the fact that he's signed with Matchroom shows a certain amount of ambition in the next few but years. If he didn't get those as the next three fights, you can still throw in um, a Demetrius Andrade, a Danny Jacobs fight, these kind of fights along the way. Andrade is a world champion at middleweight. Yeah. It was meant to happen when Saunders got his, his ban for the nasal spray stuff. 
Um, did he get a ban? I'm not really sure. No idea what happened, really. But uh, he was stopped from fighting. So all these things, this feels like a reset. Like somebody saying, right, forget all of the past. We know what you are as a boxer. Now let's focus on that. And we'll get you the fights, hopefully, that will, will mean something. Yeah. Before we go any further, I just want to, us to allude to our... Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> to what we've got at the end of the pod so people oh. can look forward to that wonderful announcement. The problem is, whenever we explain this to anyone, we just sound like a pair of knobheads. A pair of 10-year-olds that got a bit too excited. On with. a WhatsApp chat one day yeah. and ended up on eBay at the end of it. I'll get my dad's credit card. Don't yeah. worry. And then when it arrives in the post, you're like, oh, why did we do this again? I've literally got no idea. So... Do we tell the story? Do we tell the story of what happened? Yeah, yeah. Right. I, I think, therefore, we tell the story of how it got to be, and then we don't tell everyone what we've done and what it's leading on to. That we can... save the money shot for the end. Yeah. All right. So, you get an email one day. I get an email. Why were you trawling through your junk folder? No, I always do. So, I keep my emails tight. Right. Like, my personal emails. So... My inbox is always f- full of things that are relevant to right. me. And so my junkie... I unsubscribe from so many lists that my junkie emails are only ever like four or five. So I just keep an wow. eye on them. Because okay. sometimes there's some, some stuff that goes in there that shouldn't be. Whatever. Life admin. I get one from Dave at Chartable. I'm like... Good for a start, Dave. fair play. You've called yourself Dave <laughs> at a company called Chartable. I'm going to read this. And it says, like, hi, insert generic name, like, <laughs> clearly done for male merge of some sort. That he hasn't filled in. Yeah. <laughs> Your podcast is charting at, like, higher than ever on US amateur podcasts. I'm like, okay, you've got my attention. So I'll click through onto the link. It's all this world of information about our podcast and how it does around the world. And it gives me like a global map and I can click through or it gives me in a list of like under the categories amateur and sports. You are like, I don't know, 20th or something in Azerbaijan and like 18th in Ireland and all this. And like it's fascinating information. So I sat and I spent about an hour just looking through it, messaging you saying, Mm -hmm. mate, there's all this information. I literally don't know what to do with it, but there's so much information. We're, we're the fifth highest amateur <laughs> sports listened to podcast in Vietnam. Yeah. 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 So shout out to all the Vietnam listeners. So that's that's the genesis of what we've done. So then that got us, between us, we batted it back and forth. And you know when you have those WhatsApp chats with someone that, like the, what you're talking about escalates into it like takes on a life of its own, doesn't it's it? It's the kind of stuff that if you were a kid, it wouldn't nothing would happen to it because you didn't have access to any money. <laughs> Whereas as an adult, you've got access to some money, so you go, right, fuck it. Well, let's <laughs> let's just do what we want to do. Normally, at that point, maturity stops you from being so you know acting on on impulse alone. Yeah. In this case, no, no, because I've got access to a card. And eBay. Uh, So I I can do pretty much anything. So uh, that being said, we then... (laughs) We then moved on thinking, 
What could we do? What could we do to honour this? Uh, this to reward our listeners? Yeah, f- around the world. Because we know you're missing Terry, and we want to give you something back. Yeah. And so we've done something, and it's incredibly shit. But <laughs> we'll come on to it at the end. So let's move on to Fury Wallin. Although this 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 is the the header, but I, there's more interesting news to come. It's in, the precursor. Yeah. To- so, but Fury Wallin. That's a. This is another terrible fight. So on the on the. Let's go from a a yeah. A chart of, I don't know, from Schwartz to 10, how good is Wallin? 10. Oh, really? Well, if we're saying... Oh, sorry, I thought you said that Schwartz was 10. No, no. No, okay. Schwartz. He's Schwartz. Well... Or is he Or is he like minus Schwartz? It's another one of these situations where you've found someone who's got a record that you can sell to the general public. It's a Charles Martin situation. It's a Tom Schwartz situation. Otto Wallin, no one out there can tell me they've been impressed with the career of Otto Wallin. It's the fight we've been begging to see. No one out there. Uh, the name Otto feels like it went out of fashion in the 19th century. <laughs> Otto Wallin. I'm going to bring you up, Andy. Otto Wallin's CV. His last, I don't know, what do you reckon? Five fights? Let's see what your impression of his last five fights is. Okay. Rafael Zambano. <laughs> that was an epic contest. <laughs> was it? Yeah. Are you a big fan of it? Yeah, it was. Zambano uh, made some late swings. Yeah, big um, time. And, I mean, we were shouting, Otto, Otto. There was... At least 120,000 people in the arena. Now, I know you can't always make a direct comparison because Uh there are situations... I'll go through this. But he got stopped by Joshua. He got stopped by Charles Martin. He got stopped by Philip Hergovic. He did. Otto Wallin. He's fought Joshua. Oh, sorry. No, 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 no. no, Sorry. Zambano, who's fighting... Who was the last opponent for Otto Wallin. So Zambano's fought Joshua. Yeah. He got stopped by Joshua. He got stopped by Charles Martin. Um, you don't survive a Charles Martin, though. He got stopped by Philip Hergovic on his debut. Otto Wallin went the distance with him. <laughs> Granted, so too did Andy Ruiz. So, as I say, there's always situations behind this. Who else has Otto Wallin fought? His last fight was a no contest. His one before that was for the uh, European title. Fair enough. His one before that, so three fights ago, he was fighting a guy who was six and five. Six wins, five losses. Only three fights ago. Serdan Gorodeka. What the fuck? Like, why is Fury fighting this guy? Fury only has X number of fights left in his career. Why are we wasting them with the likes of Tom Schwartz and Otto Valin back to back? Like, Mm. it does my nut. And I think, I know we give Joshua a hard ride on here sometimes. But we need to give Fury one too. Nobody gets a pass just because they once had a good fight with Deontay Wilder or they once beat Klitschko. Like, this is a fucking joke. The reason apparently that we never got the Wilder fights back to back was because 
they wanted to build his profile out in America. <laughs> and in doing that, you're fighting Tom Schwartz and Otto Varlin. When is when is a fighter ever like built their profile with three reasonable fights, two reasonable fights? Do you know what I mean? They always seem to either fight absolute wallies or or have a big moneymaker. Canelo doesn't go around doing this, apart from the Rocky Fielding fight. <laughs> but that was... That wasn't Canelo's fault. <laughs> yeah, and that was to go up and get a world title at exactly. another weight. That was, that was the system's fault. This Fury thing is just... It's a joke. It's an absolute joke. But I think what's the most infuriating thing... <clears throat> is that he tries to defend it so much. And they, they advertise it as being for the lineal title still. Like, give me a break. Like, you can't tell me something's for the lineal title when you're fighting absolute shit. I would buy the lineal title argument if you were fighting Wilder and, you know, you'd said, I, I hold this lineal title. I'm fighting Wilder. I drew with him. I'm going to fight him again straight away to get on with it and have that that lineal title, but the lineal title doesn't mean anything. Like, no other weight division makes reference to the lineal title or use it as a selling point. It's only Tyson Fury that does so. Because there's nothing else on the line for it, and because you're fighting a guy called Otto Varlin that no one cares about. Fucking, ah, oh, does my head in. Okay, I, yeah, I'm, don't get me wrong, we do give, we have, and we have given Joshua a hard time on this pod in the past for the very same thing. Fury does not get a pass here, but we do know what's coming after. Well, we think we do. February 22nd in Vegas is what Fury has announced as being the Wilder rematch. But for that to happen, you've got to get through Otto Varlin, fair enough, like he will. It's almost like he's written him off before he fights him. (laughs) He he will get through Otto Varlin, let's not debate that. But Wilder's meant to be fighting Luis Ortiz in the rematch before then. Which is, you know, last time out, he got rocked pretty badly. There was the questionable timekeeping in the the fight that kind of allowed Wilder to recover and recuperate. Um, It's no gimme that Wilder gets through Luis Ortiz. He probably will. But the other thing around that is this is meant to be happening in February. We're now, what, middle of August? So what? February the twenty second, you said. Yeah, oh, so I we're think now December. No, we're now in the middle of August, and so what? We've got four months left of this year, and then two months into to next year is going to be that fight. Apparently, they a haven't announced con- the date. A look of confusion. They haven't announced the date face. for Wilder Ortiz yet, and so presumably you're going to have to give six weeks minimum notice on that. Maybe eight. Maybe they haven't agreed a date yet. Maybe it's not they haven't even announced it. They maybe haven't agreed it. And so if you said it was announced tomorrow for eight weeks' time... That takes into, what, October? October. And then you're telling me that that Fury-Wilder match is going to be in February. I'm not buying that. I'm not buying that at all. I think this is bollocks. I don't think February is going to be the rematch date. I just It all seems too compressed for Wilder to go through Fury... That Brazil build up and fight Ortiz and then Fury it, again. It wouldn't be long before he started at uh, camp again, would it? No, it'd be no time at all. You'd have to get out of the ring and start doing weights again. <laughs> You'd have to be doing them whilst a post match interview. Yeah. <laughs> While the MC's in the ring, you'd have to carry him up. Um, 
I don't see it happening, personally. Not for that date. Okay. Um, shall we move on to AJ? The main event. How long have we done? Uh, we've done an hour. An oh. hour and seven minutes. Cool. <clears throat> um, of course, there's no any other business section. We've outsourced that now. We've outsourced it to Highfield Boxing. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. AJ, great fighter, great man. Thanks for listening this week. <laughs> um, so, the most sort of um, headline-grabbing, certainly on the internet side of things, uh, thing that came out of the Joshua... Like, the, the sort of background of the Ruiz and the AJ rematch coming out was that it was going to be held in Saudi Arabia. But since then, Ruiz has come out and said, that's not happening. Is there any further movement on this? Or I'm sure there's more to fill out than just that. Yeah, let's fill in some of the details. There's of the skeletal part of the story. So Clash of the Dunes was what it was called. There's so many better names you could have come up with than that. Oh, yeah. Bashing yeah. the... Beach or something. It's not beach, is it? I suppose, Saudi Arabia. <laughs> oh, it sounds like you're going to go masturbate in Benidorm, so doesn't it? <laughs> Bash on the beach. <laughs> like a mass wanker fun on a beach. Um, oh, there are so many better names. You've got to think of one now in order to justify that <laughs> declaration. There's so uh, many better There ones. are so many better names. Um, so far, we've got Bash on the beach. <laughs> They could fly water into Saudi Spank Arabia. On the sand. Uh, something on the dunes. Uh, Clash. No, I'm trying to use alliteration here. Um, oh, I don't know. I don't care either. You've put me in Clash this awkward the position. There are better ones you could have gone with. So they announce. <laughs> uh, to be fair, before you've got the context, Rumble in the Jungle sounds pretty rubbish. No, it doesn't. That sounds no. all right. That works. Is, At least I, it's semi-rhymes. Thriller in Manila is the king. Thriller right? in Manila. That's what you've got to live up to. Yeah. This is no Clash of the Dunes. <laughs> or On the Dunes. Whatever it is. So it gets formally announced at a press conference. And you know how most press conferences announcing fights, you know, might involve the fighters? No, 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 no. Not Clash on the Dunes. Don't need fighters. Don't need fighters for that. What you get is Eddie Hearn sat with a man that makes Eddie Hearn look trustworthy, which is an achievement. <laughs> this dude from, I don't know where he's from, but I'm going to assume he's employed by the Saudi Arabian royal family and or government through some child company that is there to not be officially associated. Not a company to run the by powers. children. Okay. <laughs> well, maybe, I don't know. All oh, right, okay. Um, they break all the rules. <laughs> but look, this dude looked like an accountant. He looked like... Um, he looked like the kind of man. If you had to file your accounts for the back end of June, he looked like the kind of man that you'd be ringing up on, like, June 30th. Did, did he look like the guy that runs the accounts for a James Bond villain? Yes. Right. Yeah, and also is a Bond villain himself. Yeah. <laughs> He had, like, a slight look of, but not necessarily the... It, it wasn't like a twin, but... You know the guy in Breaking Bad that runs a chicken shop? Um, uh, yeah. 
as like a, a cover for all of the bad shit that's going on. What's his name? Um, I can't remember. There were there were tones of that about him. Um, Gus. Gus. Um, yeah. yeah, he had that aura about him that it was like, there's some bad shit behind it. Now, I realise in me saying this, as for want of a better term, doing this on a podcast, a journalist, there's a fair chance I might get killed in a Saudi Arabian embassy. I've realised that. Which, and you're going there tomorrow for your passport, aren't you? <laughs> They've invited me. <laughs> Come on down, Mr. Theobald. For a free passport. <laughs> free visas for everyone, man. Because they sound like Mexicans now as well. But specifically you. And by the way, there's an Amazon locker down the road. Can you pick up a parcel? It's a bone saw. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mr. Fearbold, your wife can pick up your body from the same locker next week. Uh, but I'll have my body. Oh, yeah, of course you will. Yeah, yeah, of course you will. So, nah, look, it's, it's a bizarre one. So you have this press conference with Gus and Eddie Hearn, and they're discussing the clash on the dunes. There's no Joshua, there's brilliant, no Andy Ruiz. Brilliant, man, by the way. Um... And they showed his video. It was so bizarre. They had like a TV behind the two of them or to the side of them. And they showed his video of like all the stuff that's gone on in Saudi Arabia. Not all of it because a lot of it's pretty horrific to human beings. (laughs) But the cool stuff that got shown on the video of like here's a David Goetta concert. Here's Formula One. Here's the WWE. All took place over in Saudi Arabia. Like, don't worry about the other stuff. Don't worry about the human atrocities. Don't worry about the murder journalists. in the stadiums, yeah. Yeah, don't, don't worry about any of that, right? Watch your shiny video and think about how great the occasion's going to be. They go through all of this. And then Andy Ruiz comes out like a couple of days later and says, I'm not fighting in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> no, no, I'm not fighting there. Can you imagine how infuriating it would be if, if, I'm just saying if, Hearn is so entitled with this whole venture that he's gone and set this up without consulting you? I don't know if that's the case. I don't think that's the case. You would have thought that would be beyond the pale, but... I would also, therefore, if it's not the case, I'd be fucking pissed off if I was Eddie Hearn that Ruiz comes out and says that. There's but we've agreed. That's the reason I set up that brilliant press conference with that dodgy James Bond villain. No one knows what's going on here. Yeah, and the more I the read, involved. The more I read on Twitter of like bellends that go on about oh, yeah, well, Ruiz isn't doing his side of the contract that he signed. It's like, you don't know. You haven't seen that contract. Oh, please. Stop stop feeding me the same shit you were cooking up for the wilder excuses. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, you haven't seen nobody outside of Hearn, Joshua, Ruiz. I'm going to go with Gus now. He's in there. Um, And a handful of others have seen this contract between Andy Ruiz's team and Joshua's team. There are probably 20 people in the world that know the ins and outs of it. Dave on Twitter doesn't know the ins and outs of it. Can they I, don't know if Ruiz is reneging upon a certain part of the contract. They don't... And like, can I just other, say, though, that the two two fights here, Ruiz 2, uh, AJ Ruiz 2, is becoming clearly a contractual minefield. And yes. AJ Wilder was so toxic by the end that it never happened. Common denominator? 
Yes. You know? It's yes. <laughs> yes. Fury Wilder happened. Yeah. Despite the fact Hearn told us probably won't happen. And it did. I had this conversation with someone the other day on Twitter. I can't remember who it was, but it was a bit of a bell end. So apologies if you're listening, but you were. Um, who I was saying just don't talk about and he said oh what you really think Hearn won't have had this contract like written up and sorted out I'm like no that's not what I'm not saying Hearn doesn't know the contract I'm saying you and I don't know the contract and now I've no doubt Hearn knows the contract inside out and back to front but I'm also sure Andy Ruiz's team know the contract inside out and back to front are you talking about the rematch clause yes Right. well all of it the whole contract holistically but narrowing down to the granular of this part of the rematch clause, I'm sure Andy Ruiz, and given that he's linked to Al Heyman, Al Heyman's team, have employed the top sports lawyers in the world to look through this contract and try and fine-tooth comb it. And if it happens to be, which it does, that Saudi Arabia is on the non-visit list for Americans, then I'm pretty sure that they can try and pull a loophole from somewhere saying... As an athlete, I'm not even allowed to visit there. It's on my country's like no-fly zone or whatever, no-visit zone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm not saying that is the case because I've not seen the contract, but neither of other people. So it does drive me mad when I see people talking with opinions as facts about what is going on because none of us know. Especially, and I'm only t- I'm kind of interpreting from what you've said that where people sat in this, you you two guys sat in this conversation. But what irritates me most is when people present opinions as fact and those opinions are then designed to uh, exonerate one boxer and blame another boxer. Yes. And you're like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> you yeah. Know, we can, I, you can float your opinions no matter what. That's fine. And, and sort of, as I've just, as I just said, like, if Hearn's gone and just made that press conference to try and put pressure on the Ruiz team, yeah, then... Which you I'd kind have, of suspect is the case. Yeah, if, if I'd not spoken to anyone about it, then I'd have nothing but scorn for Hearn. But equally, that might not be the case. If Ruiz has gone, yeah, go ahead and announce it. And, and then, then went, ah! Exactly. Ah! <laughs> the, the, all, I, all I definitely say for sure is that if this gets done and Joshua wins, the next contract that some fucker has to sign with a rematch clause in it uh. is going to be about 58 pages long. And that's purely going to be just the, in, in a size eight font <laughs> that outlines everything to do with the rematch But clause. you say about the common denominator earlier of the issues Joshua had with Wilder, the issues Joshua's had with Fury. Uh, Ruiz, sorry. Mm-hmm. Do you remember when... Um, Dillian White was offered the fight when Jarrell Miller failed all his drugs tests. And then yeah. Dillian White, he did an interview and he was talking about, yes, I was offered the fight and I was offered it for my biggest ever purse. But I didn't sign it because the rematch terms weren't favourable towards me. And so I'd rather get myself into a mandatory position where I win the belt outright and then I can dictate the terms of a rematch. Now... That was a matchroom fighter saying that he didn't like the rematch terms. So 
why are we surprised that an Al Heyman fighter yeah. doesn't like the rematch terms? And is actually, now that he's got the belts and now that he's got a bit of money and now that he's got some of the power, is actually looking for ways to dictate it somewhere on his terms. And I'm not saying... My gut feeling is that this is probably to get a few million quid out of it. Because if you look at what the fight was worth, say it just went back to New York, I'm assuming it's now worth an awful lot more now it's in Saudi Arabia because the Saudi Arabians will spend lots of money to get it there to sport wash. Rumble in the jungle. Yeah. That's that's why... Uh, Absolutely. It was a dictator, wasn't it, of Zaire, I think it was at the time. Yeah. Um, They call it sport washing. Yeah, they do, yeah. So... I'm sure the Saudis have paid a handsome sum for all so, of this to go over. Just to briefly explain sport washing, which is using... Uh, you kind of alluded to it. You explained it earlier, really, which was using big marquee events to to whitewash... Yeah, to whitewash over your countries, to to show your country in a positive light when, generally speaking, most of the stories that come out of your country... <laughs> Are negative, human atrocities, um, whatever, whatever those things Killing may journalists. be. Killing journalists, yeah, <clears throat> all those sorts of things, and then using using money to use sport in order to make things look better. Yeah, to, to control the media media yeah. flow. So when we go back to how much money are the Saudis paying to take this over there, I suspect this is probably one of the areas of gripe to Andy Ruiz because he would have signed that rematch contract for say. I don't know, £5 million. Total finger in the air job. Thinking that the rematch is going to take place in the UK or in America. The fact it's gone to Saudi Arabia and it's then increased what that fight is worth, there's more money on the table. His percentage of that money isn't going to go up if he signed it off for £5 million quid. So he might well think, fuck that. Yeah. I've got to go to Saudi Arabia where there's probably no governance of the sport, no governance of the drug testing, no governance of me being looked after as a human being. When actually I was under the impression this was all going to take place in somewhere I was relatively familiar with. Um, it's weird because that Joe, Joe Rogan podcast... He said it was Cardiff. He... he Oh, did he say it was in Cardiff? That's what he said. Ah, okay. I, I got the impression that he knew where it was, but he didn't... I'm pretty sure he said it's Cardiff. Ah, okay. Um, well, even if even if that wasn't the case, the impression I got was that he knew. So, I what, how it's managed Something to, has happened along yeah, the way. Um, so, yeah, we've ended up with this bizarre scenario where... Andy Ruiz is saying no. Now, I got told by somebody with links to it um second to third hand links i suppose if you want to mark it out like that there isn't about money for a reason it isn't about just trying to drill out an extra two or three million it's like he genuinely doesn't want to fight in saudi arabia and that's it i i get the impression from him that he wants to hold on to those belts and give himself the best chance of holding on to those and you belts. can't blame him no you, and just well, as i can't blame joshua for wanting the best opportunity to get i those respect belts back. that hell of a lot more than charles martin moonwalking over to the uk <laughs> and just dhl in the belts to joshua <laughs> basically turn up falling over and running off with the money then yeah. meeting rocky field in fucking marbella for a couple of weeks holiday yeah just um, yeah. so i i I respect the hell out of that, yeah. And and you, so far, what we've heard from Ruiz is 
he doesn't trust fighting in the UK because of the anti-doping measures. Is is what he yeah. is what he has. Well, I'm pretty certain he has come out and said exactly that. Um, I suspect. I would suspect that it is one of two things going to Saudi Arabia. If it's not what you said about not a percentage value, then an actual monetary value that is then being, you know, uh, well, of course I'm not going to go across the other side of the world for the same amount of money. But if your percentage has suddenly gone from 30 to 10 and everyone else is getting richer yeah. and you're not, yeah. then I can see why you might be aggrieved. But you sign the paperwork, get on with it. Yeah. Uh, if it's not that, then I'm assuming it goes back to point A, which was, you know, could be, you don't know what's happening in Saudi Arabia. Um yeah, I, if I were him, I'd be wanting the whole thing to be back in the US. But go back to when it was kind of when Joshua lost, and then they started talking about the rematch immediately. And Hearn was saying about the contract, we control all of it. That's pretty much his impression of it: was we control all of it. We do as Joshua wants out of this. And they talked about doing it to give him either the best advantage at home or to go back and bury the nightmares in America. Either way, it's all down to their choice. And then Ruiz was saying like, no, I'm not going to go to the UK. I don't want to go to the UK. And so it's ended up in Saudi Arabia. So when I was saying earlier about, I'm sure Hearn does have lawyers and he does know his contract inside out, but he also told us everything was going to be on Joshua's terms. You can't tell me first choice for Joshua was to go to Saudi Arabia and do this. So there has been some give and take somewhere within that. Whether that's because legally Hearn wasn't as watertight as he thought he was, or whether it's to avoid an argument and just to smooth the process over, you don't know. But none of us do know, and this is the point I was trying to make. I, I hate the conversations where people talk as if they're somehow privy to what that contract or- says. Or, well, obviously, or they speak with like, obviously it's this, and then come out with like this mental theory, and you're like, wait a minute, what? Yeah. (laughs) It strikes me, like, as it goes, as mental as my theories go, um, it strikes me as there's three obvious locations that this could take place, Mexico, US, or the UK. I suspect yeah. Ruiz says no to UK, Joshua says no to Mexico, and Joshua probably hesitates at saying yes to to America. Although I suspect he's thinking of of the three, that's the most likely that he would that they'd, they'd come it's the to most agree middle on. ground. So being as those, let's put that to one side for a second, and they're the three most obvious locations. Being as they're on the side. I suspect that has got someone like Eddie Hearn gone to work on thinking, right, well, if I can't have them there, that gives us the chance to create a memorable fight in a marquee location somewhere around the world. And those marquee locations generally are run by grotesque organisations or some, you know, um, yeah, someone who's willing to pay lots of money, <clears throat> blah, 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 etc., etc. And this one has come up, Saudi Arabia. I, that's the, that's, that is my interpretation of what has come of it. I can't see why else Saudi Arabia comes up. Because like you've said, it clearly wouldn't be Joshua's first choice. It clearly isn't Ruiz's choice because he said no. We've got no one's choice. Yeah. Well, if you can't fight there and you can't fight there and you can't fight there, let's go and fight in the sea 
Why, <laughs> why, why do I have to fight somewhere terrible? Um, it's so odd. I want to jump to Hearn's defence a little bit, which I know there are people out there, oh, you hate Hearn. I don't fucking hate Hearn. I have nothing against Hearn whatsoever on a personal level, anything like that. What I don't like is the interrogation of Saudi Arabia as a country. We've joked about it here, but there are certain people that want to hang Eddie Hearn out to dry for taking it to Saudi Arabia. Where were those same people when Amir Khan announced he was going to fight out there and recently fought out there? Where were those same people when Callum Smith versus George Groves took part in Saudi Arabia? Where were the the same hatred and anger? It does feel like there's a little bit of it's an opportunity to have a go at Hearn and have a go at Joshua when actually there wasn't that same outrage and that moral compass being shifted towards hatred when other people have wanted to do exactly the same thing. I'm not saying that makes it right or wrong. I'm just saying that as boxing fans, we can be quite selective about what we're offended by because people weren't that offended by Groves versus Smith taking place out there. Or Khan yeah. versus Billy Dib very recently taking place there. Like, Saudi Arabia has a horrific human rights record. A horrific one. Now, there's also lots of money. What does grate me about Hearn is that as soon as he's asked a question about this, he just deflects. He's very good at deflecting. But he'll That's say... That's all he does. That is literally... He's not very good at answering any question. No. which anything, what I've said, a weakness. He should be a politician. When he finishes in boxing, that question we had right at the beginning, <laughs> when he's done with it, he should be a politician. But as soon as somebody says to him, you know, will Katie Taylor be allowed to fight over there? Um, because of obviously the issues with women's rights within the country. His answer has always been throughout it... Oh, that's not really down to me. That's a, a decision that's made well above my pay grade. Like, I can't make that decision. And you're like, okay, but on the other hand, you've taken this money. <laughs> you've taken that you will profit personally from this. Like, maybe you should have looked into it. And when he was saying he didn't know about the term sports washing the other day, he said that in an interview. Like, I don't believe you. I don't believe you whatsoever. If you haven't done the research into it to cognitively understand why people may criticise it, then there's a problem. You haven't looked into it far enough. But he isn't a trailblazer in this. He's, as he rightly said, you know, David Guetta's done concerts there. Formula One have gone there. WWE went there. You're right, WWE went there and their stock value plummeted through the floor because of when they went there and the outrage at doing it. Um, Matchroom are lucky enough they don't have to worry about that. But the the outrage against Hearn for taking the sport to Saudi Arabia does make me chuckle a little bit. I think you weren't bothered about other people doing exactly the same thing. Although, I, no, I agree with you. Unless you were bothered, in which case, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I do agree with what you're saying. Although I think it's... Just because people have been void of criticism in the past doesn't mean that it should therefore excuse those in the future. Do you know what I mean? Um, yes, but one of them was a month ago. Yeah. I, yeah. I one of them was a year and a half, two I, years ago. I, I, take, I take that point, but it's You still... can't suddenly now be offended by Saudi Arabia <laughs> when you weren't... Well, I don't know. I, can, can you not? What, why, what about if... What's when... changed in that period of time that people would be so offended? In reality, I'm 
I'm inclined to agree with you that it's a stick to beat him with. Yes. But let's just take Hearn on his word, and he didn't know what sports washing was. I imagine there's quite a few people out there that didn't know that as well. After this podcast, perhaps, when they've heard that and gone, fucking hell, yeah, that is that would be a bad thing. Maybe their opinion has changed. Actually, I wouldn't want it to be held in Saudi Arabia because... Even if you didn't know what the term sport washing was, you'd know that Saudi Arabia doesn't look after people I, look, brilliantly. I'm struggling to make this point, but what, I'm, what I mean is, just because we've had sports events over there, I wouldn't want people to think, well, I did watch that Saudi Arabian Grand Prix, so I guess I've got to be okay with it full stop, because then the sports washing works. No, that's cool, but I still struggle to believe there are people out there that have grown an issue with Saudi Arabia since Callum Smith versus George <laughs> yeah. Groves. Yeah. Like, batter the Sauerlands for that. Batter Khan for fighting Billy Dib there. Cool. Do all of that. Then you've got the right to bash Hearn about it as yeah. well. Yeah, well, moving forward, when more events are inevitably held out there, yeah. you stick your head above the parapet then. Yeah, agree. Um, so I do have a sympathy with Hearn about it. However, I don't really have that much sympathy because he pleads ignorance to everything. Same with, you know, everything. He's got these slopey shoulders towards. And it works. He's so believable in those interviews. He's rehearsed every answer so uh, smoothly. It doesn't matter who's asking. If it's Coogan, if it's Rob Tebbett, if it's anyone. Yeah, but haven't we been through this before? Does it, does it matter? Because when you've got a skillful journalist who says, no, answer the question, you can expose someone. But journalists don't get enough time or exposure with Hearn. They do. With a, without the threat of not being able to speak to him again. Boxing Social did a good job with it the other day. Um, Andrew, I struggled to remember his last name, did a really good job with Hearn. But have you listened to that Bunsen Costello podcast about it? Uh, no. Actually. Ah, scum. I mean, it's a... It's the the softest approach to doing it because they want to be there because they don't want to put their head above the parapet. Every time I watch, every time I listen to that podcast, I want to make notes about how stupid Steve Bunce comes up with some of his comments. (laughs) I haven't listened to it in absolutely ages. It's only because I'd seen some of the comments about how lenient they were about the whole thing, and so it's. I mean, theirs was a sports-washing podcast, essentially. It was like, it may as well have had an advert by the Saudi Arabian Tourist Board on the start and the end of it. It was... Fuck. It's just the way that he comes... For me, it's the phrases he comes out with, like, you know, if we're going to have a scrap in Saudi Arabia, and I use the term scrap... Scrap on the sand. What? Scrap on the sand. Scrap on the sand. There we go. Came it, to me. it processed eventually. It was, Sorry. It was Carry on, Steve. The subconscious. I use the term scrap not because of any other reason other than we look at historic fights and they are a scrap. I'm not being funny. It is a scrap. So we use the term scrap. Scrap in Saudi Arabia. And you're like, you just wasted 15 seconds of my <laughs> life because you're an idiot. <laughs> I just say, just say, I didn't mean to say scrap. I meant fight. Or I meant just... But he's just like, he's in this world of hyperbole and exaggeration constantly that yes. he uses phrases that don't make any sense. And he's like constantly trying to sweep up the shit that he's knocking over. Like a drunk person walking down the aisle of the supermarket, smashing things off the shelves. So he just, it is, yeah, it drives me batty. But having said that, I never go to the trouble of making those notes, so I can't actually give you a genuine example. And I shan't probably do that in the future, if I'm honest. 
But so to try and summarize yeah. it, you can be offended by the fact that it's in Saudi Arabia. And you can think it's stupid, and you can think Hearn's made a real balls up in doing so. However, Hearn's going to become richer through doing it. Joshua will become richer through doing it. Ruiz will become. I don't even think Hearn wants to do it there. If, I genuinely a, don't think he wants. Is to it going to happen there? Yeah, I think it will. I think it will. So you think Ruiz was? I think posturing or yeah, I do. I do. Um, but yeah, you look at the interviews with Hearn. I don't think he wants to do it there. I think it's just a decision that's been put upon him and he's just got to go ahead and promote it. But you can think it's all these shitty things and that's fine, absolutely fine. I don't think we can all take the moral outrage unless we've got the the history of taking the moral outrage at these events being there. But again, Hearn doesn't help himself when he plays ignorant to all of it. And... Was it Frank Smith, I think, the other day um, that did an interview? It might have even been Hearn. I'm not sure which of the two of them. They were saying, basically, it's not all that much more expensive for a fan to do it than it would be going to Cardiff. It's like, are you taking the piss? Like, Where are you staying in Cardiff that is merely comparable to going to Saudi Arabia for a weekend? I've no idea, mate. I, I, <laughs> baffled me, that one. Uh, what, the interviewer was like, all right, nice one, Andy. Yeah, don't challenge that. No second <laughs> questions. Let's go. Um, Get an easy jet flight over to Saudi. Yeah. 20 quid. So, no, I mean, it's it's baffling. I don't know who's benefiting from this other than all of them financially, possibly apart from Andy Ruiz, which is where the problems are coming. Um, so, on AJ, AJ flipped out the other day. Not anything to do with this, though. Bit of a heel turn, wasn't it? Yeah. <clears throat> I need some context, though, because I only saw the clip where he just sort of calls Lennox Lewis a clown. So they've had this back and forth for a long time where it's almost like a a friction between the two. You know when you were at school, right? And we were at a school where we were on one hall and then we had four other halls. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, like, we were in... Shitholes. We were in Saxon and then you had, like, Grafton... Saxon rules! <laughs> Yeah, Grafton, Portway, Danstead, and <laughs> yeah, Grafton. but I've got all those tattooed on my back. Strike through text, <laughs> <laughs> just the bodies you took from each. Yeah, um, Saxon. That's why I, that you never asked before, but that's why I've got a Saxon tattooed on my forehead. Is it? Yeah. Oh, I thought it just said Saxon. Yeah, and, yeah. It's a, a strange font. Yeah, to be fair. So you know, we were in Saxon, and you'd have like the supposedly hardest kid in your hall. And then, like, you'd hear about the one on the other side of school. And he was always tougher, weren't he? Yeah, but they'd never meet. (laughs) And they'd never cross paths. And you never found out, like, who was the hardest. But you'd always hear that, like, the lad over the other side had said this about the one in your hall. And the one in your hall had said it. We went to school in a school that had, like, 2,000 people. So you very rarely cross paths with people that were the other side. That's kind of what it feels a little bit like with AJ and Lennox. They've had this thing back and forth over time where... It seems like the messages um, maybe aren't always received in the way that they're sent, if that makes sense. So right. it might be the Chinese Lennox... whispers. Yeah, it might be the Lennox says something and then AJ seems to interpret it potentially differently than Lennox sent it and then he'll say something back that Lennox 
reads and doesn't that quite... That would mean that people involved in boxing that are transmitting these messages are trying to shit stuff. No, no, I don't even mean that, but like it might be on the Sky Sports website or like World Boxing News. They'll say something about the other one that yeah, perhaps they're, is... <laughs> always, everyone always frames them in the most yeah, antagonistic exactly. way. Like they might have said one sentence out of a, a 6,000 word interview and that's the headline that gets put <laughs> exactly, right to the yeah. top. Um, and it seems to have culminated this week in... AJ coming out and saying, ah, Lennox is a clown. Um, and then you've got more back and forth after that. Um, where then Lennox put up a picture of like a sleeping lion or something. And AJ put, I think it was on his Instagram of like a, it was a picture from the Lion King of Simba or I can't remember what the context was, but it was like one lion over the other lion. (laughs) Grow up lads fucking grow up um but it all feels a little bit convenient so what you reckon aj lennox no <laughs> well i say no we might come on to that later oh, but, so this is all from an interview that got released this week on sky like a, a get to know aj kind of thing um where he sits down with anna woolhouse on the side of a ring but it was recorded Two and a half weeks ago, I think. Maybe longer, three weeks ago. Why has it been kept back until the week of the Saudi announcement to then play that program out and create all the headlines? Oh, you think it well, you think it's to steal the headlines, to, to sort of Yeah, so right. the best analogy I can use for this, because I looked the other day, I just typed in Anthony Joshua on Friday to Google and it came up with loads of stuff about Joshua and Lewis. So like to bury the Saudi news. Mm. So if you look at the the SEO, so the search engine optimization of how you, if you're a PR company and you want to bury other stories, if you know you've got one that might create negative headlines coming up, you create a separate headline. So Boris Johnson, Uh, his Brexit bus... Oh, uh, I've heard this. This is great. So, you know his Brexit bus where he said the NHS is losing £315 million per week to Europe, um, blah, blah, blah. And that's haunted him, hasn't it? That's haunted him because, people, you know, he's had legal challenges about it. They've not been successful, but um, that image of him stood in front of that bus is still quite prominent if you look up Boris Johnson. He then did an interview not long ago <laughs> where he was asked about what do you do in your spare time, Boris? And he was like, I like to paint red buses. And I like to create red buses out, like of, out of crates, out of oh, crates and cardboard well, yeah. or whatever. Now I like to paint them red. And so now if you Google Boris Johnson red bus, you're met with a 50-50 mix of the Brexit story and the NHS. And Boris Johnson likes to paint buses in his spare time. So you've managed to mix in enough that you it isn't 100% negative. You can... You can pick and choose which story you want to see from it. So while there's this whole human atrocity in Saudi Arabia situation going on, and Joshua's going to go and fight there, in that same week, you release a lot of stories, or you release the main story of Joshua calling Lennox a clown, and you generate the news headlines, and you move the Anthony Joshua Saudi Arabia story down the Google rankings. And so... People won't see it if they look for Anthony Joshua. They'll only see the Lennox Lewis stuff. Yeah, but Sky Sports or Sky Sports News will 
presumably report on this to the nth degree. What, the Saudi Arabia stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, they, yeah they'll let us know. They sent Anna Woolhouse out to uh, investigate how many deaths there have been in the last six months that are unaccounted for within Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Uh, deep, hard-hitting stuff. Yeah. Hard- Paul Smith was there as well. Oh, we're waiting, we're waiting for this documentary to be released, I'm presuming. Mm, big time, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're waiting time. for her to get back. No news from her. <laughs> um, so, look, I just to me, it's a very contrived clever way of burying information um does that f- it is that tinfoil hat do you think because of because that would that would that would need some like just just make sure you call Lennox a clown whilst you're in this interview or do you know what I mean? Like, because it was. I don't think if you knew three weeks ago when you had all this done. Oh, sorry. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you have it. They're like, oh, that would be useful. Why for have that. you held it back three right, weeks? Okay, so you don't need to. You don't even need his help. You no, don't even, you don't. Even, yeah, you just, you just go. Oh, we'll keep that. You just hold it back three weeks yeah, and say, right, strategy. We'll wait till the Saudi story is out, and then we know how to trump that with the Lennox story. Yeah. Um, so it may be a little bit tin hat, but on the other hand, you're working with PR experts, um, and given the absurdity of some of the stuff that goes on in the sport, I don't think it's that tin hat. Um, and Lennox came out with something yesterday saying, look, I see what everyone's trying to do, and I hope Anthony Joshua doesn't buy into the same thing, which is trying to get me back into the ring with this young youth, I think he called him, um... And you know, like, let's not go down that road. He'd never End get a boxing license back for that, would he? Or Lennox? No, you'd suspect not. You wouldn't bet against him. If he got in the ring, like the man's in immense shape still. The man is like mentally switched on. He was a hell of a fighter. Um, but you know, like, they both talk about their legacy. Lennox talks about his legacy. Anthony Joshua talks about his legacy. Obviously, one has more than the other at present, but one of them's retired and the other one hasn't. Nobody wants to see those two men fight, really. Like, you don't even want to see them bicker in the public eye. What's the point of it? Unless you're going to go and fucking have a straightener on the cobbles, what is the point of it? And, you know, you still want to see Lennox in his prime, which those days are gone. Yeah, exactly. Like, where's anyone going with this? Yeah. I don't see the point. Just everyone ignore it and it'll go away. So, tick, 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 tick. Boom! Shake, off. shake, shake the room. So, Saudi, 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 Saudi Arabia <laughs> will never go. Will never go. We will go, though, for a scrap in the sands. Bunts and Costello will go. Oh, yeah. Press past up. Let's not forget, <clears throat> what did they choose out of Mayweather... Uh, McGregor and Canelo, Canelo Golovkin. Golovkin. They went to Mayweather McGregor. Yeah. And because that's what boxing fans cared about. <laughs> that's what the... Oh, dear. Um, right, so the last go. time... When you left us from this story, anyway... David Chartable, getting in contact. Yeah. It was... Uh, I almost said that word then, but I thought I would give it away. Um, Penis. <laughs> that's... The, I've written that several times, but I'll <laughs> this one. Um, right, so then that got me and Martin chatting about... Actually, I, I think I'm going to struggle to present a reason, a reasonable genesis. I think we need, we need to accept there is not a great end to this. 
you as listeners need to accept there isn't a great end to this. So maybe we just need to bite the bullet. Okay, so... Because you're going to think less of us either way. Yeah. What we've decided to do... <laughs> is... So we started pulling data. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. So we're like the number six top amateur sports podcast in Vietnam. Stuff like that. The further and further you dug into this data the more obscure it got, yet the more I was texting Andy going, mate, we're like, <laughs> we've gone up three places <laughs> since yesterday. We've gone up three places in Mongolia. You are not going to believe this. You're like, yeah, that is the place. I-, I was more invested in that than when we had Terry here telling us about the third tier of Mongolian boxing. <laughs> um, so on that basis, it's like, well, you know what we should do? I should... We should have our official, some sort of official recognition of our fans' service to those charts. Fans is a stretch. Listeners. listeners, Sorry. Listeners to those charts. Because, frankly, that's the only reason we're there in the first place. Yeah. It's because people are taking the time to download and listen to us. And tell their mates and, you know, tell their family members, their prison cell associates, whatever. I imagine it's listened to frequently in prison. Yeah. Um, so, what? And but where do we make this leap? I can't remember. I can't remember. If I'm but honest, enough enough dancing around the point. We will now have in starting with our top ten performing nations, a new age boxing official promoter. I'm about to tweet a picture. This in, will make sense to people then when uh... in each of those countries. So. As we, at this point, we will, there or thereabouts, retire the VIP system. So when the new season starts, which will be in September, our VIP system will be our promoter system. So our VIP system has served David McGinley well over time. And yep. Dan Glosier more recently yep. has, you know, been, <laughs> I say served them well, they've not benefited from no, it. No, of course not. In but any way whatsoever. But they have been recognised for their service. So, we have, <laughs> we've got badges made up. This is where it becomes hard to justify. Yeah. That we're grown men. Uh, and here's, here's what's going to happen. We have, we, our best performing nations, you won't be surprised to hear, one of them is England. And so therefore, our English promoter will be Mr. Dan Glosier. Shout out, Dan. Our... Irish promoter, which again is one of our one of the just assume that all of the all of the nations I'm about to list are in the top ten. Our Irish promoter will be Mr. Dave McGinley, and our French promoter will be uh, Adonares Adonares DMZ. Is that what he comes on on Facebook? I don't know, but the the man came from France to our second our live, live show. show. Incredible. Incredible scenes. So, look, it's nothing. I'm, I'll be the first to admit, and Martin will be as well. It's nothing special. These badges are utter shit. <laughs> utter but, shit. But they're free. They're and that free. is the key element to it. And they're only one of each nation. So, if you want to be your chosen nation's promoter, what we would like is. In the most exaggerated, hyperbolic, Kern-esque. 
Hernesque. It's got to be Hernesque. You need to send us a sales pitch for the country that you want, you wish to represent. So as let a me Mary's give you promoter. Let me give you the countries because I've got them in front of me now. So we have the. So like we've said, Ireland. These are is some. This, is this? Are we uh, Ireland, England? <clears throat> Ireland, England, and France. So are, taken. are we? Are we correct in thinking that Wales and Scotland and Northern Ireland? They're up for grabs. They're up they're for grabs. Ones. That's just a lie because I haven't got badges for them. Uh, yeah, in the future. In I the mean. future. But so for we've now, got the Philippines. We're doing well in the Philippines. So okay. look, if you're listening in the Philippines, here's your opportunity to get hold of a really crappy badge. Is this? Is this? Have we decided this is open to only people in the Philippines, or is this to anyone who wants to be? A no, prom- you've got to be promoting it in the Philippines. I mean, saying that, Hearn's promoting in Saudi Arabia from Essex, so and Italy. Yeah. So no, you've got to be in the Philippines, and I want like. I want evidence. But, what I'll say to you is, we don't know where you're listening from. <laughs> no, you've got to be stood in front of the most famous... You've got to be stood... If you're a Filipino promoter... I just don't want it to be too exclusive. If we've only got Philippines and Vietnam, that alienates most of our audience. Yeah, but we're doing well in those... All those other places, they need to up their game. Those people need to do better. So, if you're from the Philippines, I want a picture of you with Pacquiao. That's to prove you're from the Philippines. Then I want your reasons why... <laughs> okay. Don't worry, that won't be necessary. Vietnam. So we've got Philippines, Vietnam. Ukraine. India. The Czech Republic. Just to let you know that if you go to Crimea, that's not part of Ukraine anymore. <laughs> Crimea River. <laughs> that's awful. Crimea River. Um, anyway, so we've got Philippines, Vietnam, Ukraine. Uh, India. India. The Czech Republic. Chechia. <laughs> you like Eurovision. <laughs> Shitter. Australia. And. Aussies. Rather brilliantly, Saudi Arabia. <laughs> <laughs> Sports watching our podcast. So, we are. We've. Uh, so, send us the most ridiculous. Your most ridiculous pitches for being um, a promoter in those countries, and you will receive a one per country official New Age boxing promoter. If badge. we get good enough reason to have more than one, then we're open to that idea. But we've only printed one for each of those That's countries, true. and yeah. three of them are already bagseed. Yeah. So, yeah, they are terrible. They're from eBay. They look like they belong on a child's birthday card. But they're incredible. But all in the same way. So if you're from any of those countries, they're genuinely terrible, but they are genuine. Yeah, we'll accept entry by email newageboxing at outlook dot com. I'll accept any entries from any of those places. I'll read through them, and I want to know exactly why you deserve to be the promoter, and not just a name promoter. You get a badge to prove you are the promoter in that country. Because they're you can't you can't copy these. You can't replicate them. They're too sophisticated, aren't they? Yeah, uh, ish. You've assured I've not seen these, but you've assured me that these are top of the line. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a QR code that you need to do it, probably, in a way. <laughs> um, Sounds official. Yeah. So look, I've sent I am out blown a away. On, I put a picture on Twitter. This out there now. We'll put a picture up with the podcast as well, um, and that email address, which is again New Age Boxing at Outlook.com. Send them over. I want your best reasons, hyperbolic reasons, funniest reasons, 
most heartwarming reasons. Let's have some feel-good factor about it. Yeah. We're only doing it for a bit of fun. I'll make sure I personally post each of these Don't out even have to, to be you. Funny. It can be. It can be. Yeah. It can be heartfelt, genuine reason. Yeah. Um, and I'll, I'll personally post each of these out to you. Um, you know, signed photo of Andy and I together, pissed. Um, because that's yeah. the only photos we have of you and I together. <laughs> um, so yeah, look, there's some other stuff Andy's working on that he wants to do with the podcast as well that we kind of have been discussing um, that we're actually going to sit and chat about tomorrow night. So that's hopefully coming in the near future. Maybe yeah. near might be a, a lie. Yeah, um, it is. <laughs> but yeah, look, these badges are a bit of fun. If you want one, get in contact. We'll see what we can sort out. And we're going to get Terry a, a promoter emeritus badge. We need yeah. to sort that out for him. Yeah, we do actually. Yeah, uh, Terry, long-standing promoter emeritus. Uh, so yeah, is that it? That the, is it. That is for the podcast. So yes, that is our first podcast. Uh, that this is feels like this is our like um I don't know. It's like our middle podcast bridging that gap between our season. Our season ending as we just we just made that massive massive transfer like Chelsea losing Hazard <laughs> we lost Terry you know we've we've kind of came to a came and we to, signed some badges came to replace him <laughs> and we're sending them out we've fizzled out into the end we've given you a mid 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 season break podcast and our next podcast where will our next podcast be. We're going to do one next weekend. Well, we've got Kovalev Yard to talk about next weekend. And then the week after that is Campbell versus Lomachenko. So hopefully we'll get together next week. And I'm good for chat. next weekend. So Actually, the miss is at a spa day, so I'll have to let you know. Right. So maybe there'll be a podcast next weekend. Maybe. But until September, I'm afraid that it's going to be pretty sporadic. Yeah, it could be. But. Rest assured that beginning of September, we start the season afresh. New Age Boxing will have a slightly fresher feel. We're going to probably start having some new guests on the sh- show moving forward, aren't Are we? we? Gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna try. If Are we, we can convince anyone to go. <laughs> Hearn. Hearn's yeah, coming. We have on. no one lined up, I can't tell you. I'm that. cashing in my Transformer insults. But uh yeah, that's that is how we are moving forward into the new season. So it's all good. We're here to stay. Are morphing, and we are, yeah, indeed, here to stay. So, that being said, uh, I will retire the this episode in similar vein to others. Thank you very much for listening, and well, we might see you next week. I want to hear from you in the meantime. Justify your badge yeah, worthiness. Give us some, or you know, if you have an alternative that you know, I I want to be, I want to be the senior trainer for what country? Don't expect a badge in the near future, but send us a reason. You can go on a list. There's no reason we couldn't make those badges. Exactly. I will <clears> have a list of every single person that we officially add. Are you sending a me- you send in a question or any future content to the podcast, and you will be given your title before your name. You're never gonna do. I that. Will. It will. You this- won't. It you- will. It will be on this list. I'll. I'll you paint it on the walls. Won't. No. <laughs> There is not a hope in hell. You don't even look on Twitter. Guaranteed I will. Uh, Well, yeah, but they've got to send emails to you. Oh, sorry. So I've got to create the list and then send it to you. (laughs) Right. I see. Jesus Christ. That's why I know the list of guests. That's that's Hearn-esque, that. Shifting the blame. Shifting the responsibility. Yeah, but all I'm saying is it's not going to be a thousand people long in the near future. They've got to be good reasons. 
I'm not just going to dish them out to anyone. It's not me that's got to do it. <laughs> so, sending your reasons. Keep Martin busy. Once again, have you got anything Anything else? No. Chris Eubank Senior is a genius, by the way. Did you see a video of him uh, out with the American police? The only pi- the only stuff I see of him now is out of t- context Eubank. Oh, they're brilliant, isn't they? They're absolutely brilliant. <laughs> How has that man got so many hours of random footage that there could be a whole Twitter account dedicated to and it? And they're all genius. Yeah. And this whoever does it just sits there trolling for like hours of footage or knows them off the top of his head. Whoever does it is my hero. Um, but yeah, like there was a, a video he put up where he was in like an American cavalcade of police cars. <laughs> so there's like one in front, at least one, probably more. There was some behind. He was shooting this video of like the rear view mirror with cop cars behind. And then just him in a cop, like as part of the cavalcade. What? I don't know. There was no like sound of it. No justification, no reasoning. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing with your life? But I still want to be part of it. I'd love, love to spend that time with Eubank Senior. What a man. Well, thank you very much for listening. Take Um, care. We may or may not see you next week. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.